Welcome to the Bridget and Josh Show. I'm Bridget. And I'm Josh. Uh, and this is the show where we talk about stuff we think young Catholics should care about. This week, we think you should care about the federal budget. And we have a very special guest here, our very first one, actually, which is exciting, um, who is going to take us through all of our budget questions. Yeah, and so we'd really like to welcome uh, Pete Mullins uh, to the show. Welcome, Pete. Thanks, Josh and Bridget. It's uh, really good to be here with you. And uh, and it's great to have you with us. Uh, Peter is a, uh, I guess you call him a friend of the show. We have all these friends of the show that we always talk about uh, that people sort of don't really know that they do exist, yes. but Pete is evidence that they do. Um, and so... Uh, Peter, someone that Bridget and I both know uh, pretty well. We're uh, both good friends with different number of his children. Um, that's not the reason why we've got him, got him on today, though. We uh, why we thought it'd be great to have Pete <laughs> to break open the budget. Pete's actually uh, had a pretty good long uh, career in and around uh, economics, especially political economics and economics in countries. So um, he's formerly a senior official with the International Monetary Fund. Um, and if that sounds a little bit complex, uh, part of, you know, a lot of what he's done is he's advised more than 50 countries on topics around tax reform and things like that, which is pretty good. I've, I've actually haven't informed any countries on tax uh, reform and tax advice, so he's doing better than me. <laughs> I'm kind of glad of that, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think they are too. But um, previously worked in Treasury as well. Um, and currently he, amongst a few other things he's doing, is the coordinator of the International Council for the Disciples of Jesus Community. So, uh, Pete, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks, Bridget. It's good to have you with us. So, we might just dive right in with our questions, and I'll start with, what is the budget? Well, that's a good question. Yeah. A very good question. Um, when I was thinking about this um, earlier today, <laughs> there are really four uh, broad elements to the budget. Yeah. The first most basic one is that the budget is a budget. Yeah. And so that makes sense. Uh, just like you or I, mm -hmm. at the start of the year, if we decided we wanted to work out how our finances would go for the year, yeah. then we would do a budget. Yeah. Um, we work out how much income we're going to get during the year, so mm -hmm. from our job, for example. And then we work out how we're going to spend that you know, pay electricity and yep. fuel and entertainment and whatever. And at the end of that, we'd work out, do we have a surplus or a deficit? If we have mm -hmm. a surplus, we could save that. If we have a deficit, well, we've either got to cut our expenses mm -hmm. or we've got to borrow to pay for that. Yeah. So what the federal budget is at its most basic mm -hmm. is that it's the government's budget. It works out how much income or revenue is the term they often use, so yep. how much revenue they're going to get, or they estimate that, and then they estimate how they're going to spend that and mm -hmm. what expending they're going to do for the year. And at the end of that, they either have a surplus mm -hmm. or a deficit. Um, and if it's a deficit, of course, they've got to try to work out how they pay for that. Okay. Um, so that's the first element, the mm -hmm. basic budget. The second element, which most people focus on, is how they spend that money yep. or how they raise that revenue. 
and especially the new measures, mm-hmm. the new things that the government is doing. So um, on the revenue side, there are often people are looking, am I going to get a tax cut? Yeah. Or are there certain taxes that are going to increase? Mm-hmm. Um, or on the the expenditure side or the spending side, they're looking at things as where is the government, what new things is the government going to spend on? Yep. A vast portion of the money that's in the budget is just day-to-day spending on mm-hmm. things like hospitals and schools and defence and so on. But people are really interested in the, the new things that they're going to spend on. So like if you look at last night, uh, some of the big ticket items were things like uh, women's safety. Yes. Yeah, you know, there that. was 17 something billion on aged care because mm. there was recently an aged care review. Um, there were some infrastructure projects, and we're here in Canberra, and they yep. said they're going to fund uh, stage two of the light rail. Mm-hmm. Um, there, was, there was spending on childcare, mm-hmm. there was a ta- an ongoing tax break for middle income earners. So that's the kind of second part or second element. Mm-hmm. The third element is reporting on the past. So right. basically, how has the government gone or how has the revenue and spending gone over the past 12 months? Now, the budget is held in May. Yeah. Um, it used to be held in August. Oh, really? Uh, up until 1993, it was mm-hmm. held in August. And because when you did that part of the budget about mm-hmm. what's happened in the past, because our financial year is 1 July to 30 June, yeah. August comes afterwards and you know what's happened. Yeah. However... When they did the budget in August, they were preempting something that had already started. Oh, so true. they were budgeting yeah. for a year that had already begun. Yeah. So they moved it back to May, mm-hmm. which now means when they report on the what's happened, mm-hmm. we're still in the middle. You know, there's still a little bit to go in the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so who knows what could happen in June? <laughs> absolutely, things could uh, go pear shaped in June, but yeah. hopefully not. Fingers crossed. After the year we've had. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So the fourth area, the last area, yeah, is. Um, the outlook for the economy. So okay. they talk about things like um, what is the prospects around unemployment? Will it okay. rise or will it fall? Mm-hmm. What will happen with will inf- with inflation? Will prices go up or will they stay stable? Um, how will the economy grow? Mm-hmm. So will it get larger and how much will it get larger? Yep. So they're the kind of things that when you think of the budget, it, it, it's a mixture of items. And if you okay. listen to the budget statement last night, um, all of those things are kind of the high-level highlights are picked mm-hmm. up in that statement. Yeah. Excellent. And I think, um, you know, when I was involved in politics, um, you know, it was the, especially for people in young, the young liberals and young labour, um, budget night and budget reply night, which is obviously when the, well, not obviously, but it's when the uh, opposition leader gives their response mm-hmm. to what the government's announced. Yeah. Um, they were always, you know, they were kind of your, your, your Academy Awards or your, yeah, big or deal. your Emmys or whatever it is, you know, all the, all us, all the political nerds would roll into town with their, you know, tuxedos and all that sort of stuff, uh, and they'd want to go into Parliament House to be parties and all that sort of stuff because it's an important night, you know. But why is that? Why is it, Pete? You know, why is the budget so important? You know, the budget speech, but also just the budget generally in Australian politics. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I'll say um, one of the things about the budget is what they 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 used to do and they still do is they have a thing called lockup. Mm-hmm. So just before the budget. Um, because the documents are confidential, yeah. all the media and important people, you know, representatives of industry mm-hmm. and social services and that, all meet in one place on the day of the budget and they read the budget. They get up you know, at the start of the day and they read it and you can't share anything. That's why 
when the news media comes out in the evening, mm-hmm. they you know they're putting up in front of you on the screen as he's as he's doing his budget speech what's in it mm-hmm. because they read it. Um, how long is it? Like, does it? How long does it take to read? Is a day enough, or should uh, they really be getting a bit more? Sounds time? like a real page turn. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's uh, well, there are several budget documents. Okay. So you know, there's a budget measures document. Yep. There's a, a financial reports document. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of an overview document. So there's a, there's a number of documents. Yep. Uh, it's not the most exciting read <laughs> in the world, um, and uh, that's why we're you know we're very thankful that. Uh, you know, newspapers and that yep. print the highlights for us or you can watch them on the news. Yeah. Um, you get your little Instagram slider things. Like that's what, all over my feed at the moment. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And telling you, the, you know, the headlines. Yeah. Um, uh, I used to have an, an, uh, an economics teacher when I was at mm-hmm. school and he used to say to me, say to us, the night after the budget or the day after the budget, yes, read the news and read the highlights, mm-hmm. but wait till the weekend until you get the real insights about what's in the budget because yep. there's all these little highlights but in actual fact there's a lot more detail there than as they work their way through it mm-hmm. they get a better sense of you know of what the government's um, uh, what the government's proposing um, now back to your question Josh yep. um, which I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> why is it so important <laughs> why yep. is it so important so it's so important because I think it impacts on all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, it obviously impacts on our finances. So to the extent that uh, the government changes taxes or even leaves taxes unchanged, Mm -hmm. that impacts on all of our finances. Um, On the spending side, it impacts on the services that the government provides. Mm -hmm. And so uh, all of us, again, uh, are impacted in some way by some of those services. You know, whether they increase spending on health, then uh, that that may impact us indirectly. Um, you know, in the, in the budget last night, there was increased spending on childcare. So mm-hmm. if, if you're a person who is sending your child to childcare, then there were benefits for you. It's going to cost you less. There's more support. Yeah, um, and that makes a really big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so, you know, there was, a um, as I said, the aged care was, was raised yesterday. So if you've got, you know, if you're yourself in aged care or your you know, parents or grandparents in aged care, then there might be benefits for them. Um, they were they were suggesting there you know would be a certain amount per day or certain time per day increase uh, in services for them. So it it does have uh, a significant impact on our daily lives, and sometimes it can be very personal. So for example, last year's budget, there was a little line item mm-hmm. among the two hundred or so measures, um, which talked about contractors with the IMF which actually directly affected me and yep. probably 30 other people. But there was a little line in there yep. about how that uh, income would be taxed. And uh, so for me, that was a really the most important yep. thing in the budget. Um, yeah. But it, for you know the other 25 million Australians, it, they couldn't have cared less. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, except maybe for my family. Yeah. We care, Pete. We care. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder whether there's, um, you know, there's also political uh, importance, isn't there, in terms of, um, and I think this is a question I might ask a bit later in more detail, but there's political ramifications around the budget and how that's received and it kind of resets the agenda a little bit, doesn't it? It does, it does. And, and a lot of it reflects, you know, the, what is well, the government's priorities. Yeah. Um, and those priorities can come from different sources, um, but obviously part of that is is 
is political. And you would have seen that again reflected last night, you know, the whole women's safety issue mm-hmm. and women's issues obviously flowed on, on some of the, from some of the pressures the government's been on, under around um, support for women. Yeah. Um, and so the budget, you know, reflected that from a, a political uh, angle. I guess that flows really well into our next big question, which is how do political values and things influence what gets money and what gets cut? How do they make those decisions? Well, I think there's a, a, a number of ways that, you know, governments come to decisions around about what they fund in the budget. Uh, I mean, one is political. As yep. I, you know, I said, the women's safety one is a good example. Uh, others relate to you know recent reviews, which might be uh, partly political, partly practical. So, mm-hmm. for example, the aged care flowed out from the aged care royal commission, yep. and you know the need for assistance there. Um, uh, you know, there's kind of social issues that are prominent at present. So, for example, mental health mm-hmm. is obviously a big issue at present. Yeah. Um, and and so there was you know increased spending on mental health in the recent budget. So trying to address those social issues that, yes, they, there's kind of an element of politics in it, but it's I think everybody cares about that irrespective of politics. Very true. Um, there's also uh, – there is actually a formal process for doing pre-budget submissions. Okay. So uh, like last year between November and January of this mm-hmm. year, there was – um, you know, businesses, individuals, anyone can send in a pre-budget submission. Yeah. And Treasury would go through those and um, give advice to the government mm-hmm. about how they might run, want to respond to those. So the source of all of these reforms comes from a range of range of areas. Yeah. Um, but obviously politics flows through it because it's a great opportunity for the government to set down its political agenda, yeah. uh, at least on the the you know the budgetary side over the next um you know next 12 months yeah and i think um the interesting thing you know just from my political background and 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 things like that uh, and some of the work i used to do in i mean i uh, i was doing a little work for P, for a pr firm uh the year before i joined the brothers and, and one of my uh tasks that i had to do i had to look at what, what what was announced before the budget and create a uh um, a bit of an election uh, not an election a budget preview for uh, our clients and so um and then post uh, budget do the same thing and so what you can when you've been around a little bit you can actually pick up things and so uh in last night's budget um and a lot of the commentators were saying this that this is really a pre-election budget and the reason well they, they reckon it will be um one is that election is due uh, and it's likely probably to be in the first half of next year it can be as late as august where if it, in august you do, you do need another, another budget but Looking at what, uh, at how much the government spent, uh, and what new spending measures are announced, especially in things like aged care, women's issues, uh, mental health, um, and things like that, um, you know, I, especially some of the the commentary has been that it's kind of a, a laborish sort of budget. I mean, Lee Sales kind of uh, on seven thirty on the on the from seven thirty on the uh, an analysis last night uh, said to the shadow uh, treasurer Jim Chalmers said, well. Uh, this is a bit of a labor budget. What are you guys going to do different? Because it's basically yeah. all your values, um, and so and so and this is kind of what you classically see before an election. Uh, 
that there's some, a lot of sort of big spending um, and a lot of spending promises that probably tackle into some areas where maybe the coalition might not have been necessarily as strong in their term of government or historically. Uh, and that's trying to offset some of the areas where they might have a, an open flank uh, when it comes to an election campaign and, and and campaigning on some of those values and what the Labor Party might throw at them as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's very true. I, uh, the the coalition government is renowned for being what we would call fiscally conservative. Mm-hmm. So, aiming as much as possible to balance the budget, or even, you know, prior to COVID, yeah. for the first time in a long time, they almost reached a surplus. Oh wow. Um, that's- which had been the Almost first time for many years. Um, so, you know, their, their revenue exceeded their expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, however, of course, COVID and the need to respond to COVID, um, the government has gone on, I think the headline today in The Australian was yeah. a, a spending spree or something to that effect. Yeah. And they have gone, which is very unusual for a coalition government. Um, and it's kind of played mm-hmm. nicely into their hands because they can go on this spending spree, even though it's against what would appear to be the, their ideology yeah. on the basis that, We've got to respond to COVID. So therefore, you know, our former position, we can kind of leave that aside for a while because, um, you know, we need to make sure that that people are looked after and that the economy continues to grow uh, and respond and uh, respond positively uh, as COVID passes. I think uh, that's, uh, and I'll just sort of might just finish this section on this. And that was the interesting thing that Jim Chalmers in response said to Lee Sales when she asked that question. Um, and it, I got a, what I think was a bit of a half laugh out of Lee before she kind of yeah. caught herself. And the only thing he says, and he said, well, look, Lee, they might have announced all this, but the heart really yeah. isn't in it. And that's sort of the the kind of argument that, they, that the Labor Party kind of has to make in that space because it's it's uh, it's the world slipped on its head a little bit. So it's really, for a lot, for seasoned political watchers, I'm, I don't count myself in that, but you can hear in the commentator that they're thinking the world's kind of turned upside down a little bit with some of these uh, shifts in how the, how the coalition government sort of choosing to spend money and to spend big um, as they feel they need to do to come out of the pandemic. Very true. And then the budget reply is the opposition's response to that. And, and I guess... Uh, in this situation, it'll be tricky for them to try and differentiate themselves given that there has been um, that kind of merging of values almost in order for things to keep moving forward at the moment. I, I imagine the kind of line that they will take will be yeah. something along, um, you know, you, you've yes, these are priorities, but, you know, your emphasis in the priorities yeah. is not the, you know, not the right true. emphasis. Um you know, for example, they might say, yes, you've put some money towards this women's safety issues, but more money should have gone there yeah. and less money to um, businesses by yeah. giving them tax breaks, uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Very true. Great. So I guess, um, you know, we've spoken a lot about spending, uh, you know, um, where does the money come from? If they're able to spend all this money, where, where's it, where's it coming from? And, yeah. I mean, even Bridget, you were saying, you know, how do they, where, what, do they, is there like, a government bank account, you yeah. know, is it like Scott Morrison has paid your youth allowance this week or, yeah. you know, where, so where's the money come from? Where is it kept? All that sort of stuff. Yeah, what are the kind of logistics of it almost? Like how do people get money? How does it work? So uh, do they pay like monthly bank fees? Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously the money comes from, most of it comes from our taxes. Okay. So around about, I think it's about 75% of oh, right. the revenue comes from taxes. Yep. And, of course, from that you then have um, – you know, personal income tax, mm-hmm. so the, the tax that comes out of your salary every week yeah. or every fortnight. Um, you have company tax. Yeah. You have GST. Yeah. Uh, in Australia, most of our tax comes from income tax so, mm-hmm. and most of it from individuals. Okay. Um, if you looked at many other countries around the world, um, 
most of their tax would come from, for example, the GST um, compared to Australia. Um, Is that because we have a lower GST or because we have higher income tax or kind of a mix It's of both. both. Yeah. Um, we have... Uh, um, we have lower GST than many other countries in the world mm-hmm. um, and we do have higher income taxes. But that's kind of fairly standard yeah. for um, developed or advanced economies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the other thing is we have much better systems of collecting taxes than many of the, the less well-off countries. Yeah. And True. so a lot of their taxes just go uncollected um, yeah. and, and in particular from individuals. So it's much easier to tax them through... Um, a GST than yep. it is to try to tax them directly. Um, so, so that's where you know our, our taxes come from. Oh, sorry, our, our the government's revenue comes mm-hmm. from. Uh, in terms of actually paying it out, um, first of all, they have to do. You would have. I don't know if you if you'd watched the budget last night, you would have seen at the start and the end of the speech he talked about appropriation bills. Okay. So there's actually uh, legislation on budget night that they actually basically frames what is being talked about okay. or implements what's being talked about. And those appropriation bills basically set out where the money's going. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much where the money's collected from, but where the money's going to, you know, which department uh, and, and which types of measures. Um, but in terms of where the money actually sits, um, you know, it would sit within the Reserve Bank. Um, there is a consolidated, uh, consolidated fund okay. uh, in the bank and that's – you know that's where the money money comes from. Um, uh, the actual logistics, I don't know who, <laughs> you know, has the debit card or yeah. the credit card, but uh, uh, you know, in broad terms, that's that's what happens. Uh, and and thankfully, generally, we do get paid. I mean, the the you know, if we're meant to get a benefit yeah. from the government, we get paid, and of course, um, we generally do pay our taxes as well. Yeah, it usually works out pretty well, I would say. <laughs> and so you're talking about those appropriation bills, if. Uh... So they've got to get through Parliament. So the, the government has a majority in the lower house, but it definitely doesn't have a majority in the Senate. Uh, what happens if they don't pass the Senate? Um, well, if they don't pass the Senate, uh, and, and you may know this better than me, uh, Josh, but basically appropriation bills generally um, you know, can't be you know, forever rejected by the Senate, basically. Eventually okay. they, have to be, um, they have to be passed, or if not, um, then you know mm-hmm. you can go to a double dissolution. Um, Do yeah. they ever have to like just fully rewrite the budget in that situation because it won't pass? No, and generally they do pass. Um, so there's kind of the two elements. One is the actual appropriation, yeah. and then there might be specific measures um, that you know might need a separate piece of legislation. So for example, if it's a taxation measure, yeah. um, it will need a separate piece of legislation. And often the taxation measures are the kind of ones that um, uh, are more controversial and okay. often so the government will announce it's going to uh, increase uh, a tax mm-hmm. uh, or decrease a tax is probably a better one at one point they were trying to reduce the, the company tax rate it went to the senate and the senate rejected it and it gave up you yep. know basically it was never going to get through and so uh, the government gave up on that at that stage um, but that was a separate measure to the appropriation bills um so, because the appropriation bills are really about, you know, spending and allocating the money amongst the different government agencies. Okay. I think that makes sense. <laughs> so, our next kind of thing moving on from that is what are the assumptions, I suppose, that 
the budget is based on? Because you were saying at the beginning that you kind of have to almost project how much money you're going to get so that you know how much money you can spend. Um, and last year things were crazy, so we didn't even get our budget until much later than usual. So what kind of assumptions are they making about how much money the government will have or how the nation is going to look? Um, so that, it, it's a difficult uh, yeah. to work out what's going to happen. And obviously that COVID is a classic mm. where they predicted they were going to end up in a surplus. And in fact, I have the Liberal Party mug. I think we're, you know, we're in the black or something oh, or yeah, other. Oh, yeah, back in black. Back in black yep. um, <laughs> at our house. So, um, But, you know, there are... There are a whole lot of assumptions that they, that they build in. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole area of Treasury that looks at this in depth. They do yeah. analysis of, you know, what's been happening in the past, mm-hmm. what's happening in the international economy. Uh, and you can read that, you know, in the budget documents itself, um, the many uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe yeah. pages or hundreds of pages at least of the documents, there is in there the different assumptions they make around, um, as I said, what happen, might happen with uh, unemployment, yeah. what might happen with inflation, mm-hmm. where the currency might go, um, and uh, um, you know what might be the impact of the of the measures that they introduce. You know, will they improve the economy? You know, will they slow the economy down? Um, what might be the take up rate mm-hmm. of the different measures? So there's there's a lot of assumptions that go in. Um, and I, you know, I noticed last night on some of the uh, post-budget uh, shows of mm-hmm. the interviews, you know, there were um, debate about some of the assumptions. Yeah. Were they too conservative, mm-hmm. or were they, um, you know, uh, was this really ever going to happen? Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of assumptions, and um, uh, Treasury would develop most of those. Um, but they would talk to you know business. Yeah. As I said, they would look what's happening in the international economy because that's a big unknown mm. because the international economy affects us. If you know, for example, China went into uh, its economy slowed down, well then it might impact on our uh, buying yeah. goods from us, and so mm. that would affect our exports, which would then affect our production and our economy, and so on. So it's yeah. all pretty interconnected. Which is- it's all pretty inter- interconnected. Um, they'll often tell you that you know it is a very sophisticated. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I have been involved in, in costing some measures and uh, I remember sitting down once with the, the area that was actually did the costing mm-hmm. and I asked the guy who was doing it, how did he get the number? And he said, oh, it was kind of like a ballpark figure. Um, <laughs> and he came up with this figure of $100 yeah. million or something. Okay. So the $100 million went into the budget. Yeah. And uh, about a year later, they got like $10 million. And so he came, he called me in and he said, you know, what went wrong with this estimate? And yeah. I said, well, it was a ballpark figure. You came up with the ballpark figure. <laughs> he said, well, now we've got to justify how our ballpark figure was not right. Yeah, it was and so, so off. Uh, you know, they had to come up with some kind of story to yeah. justify how their ballpark figure um, had uh, had come in uh, much higher than what was expected. Mm. Very interesting. I guess that's um, it's a very complicated situation, and like you were saying, COVID is a classic example of this. Even the assumptions that like borders will open and the impacts that would have on tourism and like different areas of the country. I guess it's really important that we um, are so mindful of those assumptions when we're making those costings. Yeah, and I think it's it's particularly difficult now. And, yeah. and you know, some of the assumptions that they made quite clear last night in the budget was things like uh, 
we'll all be vaccinated by the, by the end of 2021. Right. Uh, borders will open by mid 2022. Yeah. Uh, they'll, you know, state closing borders will no longer happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was part of the debate around the assumptions. Were, like, were these realistic? I think immigration yeah. would start again. I can't remember if it was 2022 or, mm-hmm. or 2023. Um, so, uh, you know, they're their best predictions, yeah. but who knows what might happen. Uh, and it's the same with the revenue and other figures. Um, spending is a little bit more controllable, mm-hmm. um, you know, other than um, sometimes the ability to be able to spend can depend on um, – you know, the ability of governments, departments to be able to use the funds or, you know, for example, a hospital to be able to build a a new wing in the hospital, you know, that might get delayed and so they can't spend the money. Mm -hmm. And on the revenue side, it's, you know, the the economy might slow down. um, But generally, you know, generally the the numbers are reasonably accurate. Yeah, so um, I guess one thing I noticed last night, um, and you can always kind of tell the government uh, or whoever... Or you know, if it's in the in the budget and reply speech, what the opposition uh, want you to focus on when all the hear hears come from you know the deep serious hear hear from everyone on the on the back bench. Um, and so, any time anyone spoke about, or not anyone, any time the treasurer spoke about employment yesterday or jobs or the unemployment rate um, or anything to increase uh, the amount of uh, employment in um, in the community. There was a deep hear here from all the government members, and there's been a lot made around um, in the news about what true employment, what the true employment number is, or whatever the, the technical term is around that. Should it have a? Should it be five percent, or it should it be closer to four percent? Uh, there's been a lot of stuff coming from the Labor Party around um, uh, wage growth being stagnant, not really going up for a certain period of time. Um, why do you think uh, there's there's been such a focus on you know jobs and employment um, in I guess it features in every economy in, in in every budget I should say but it feels like there's been a, a super strong emphasis on that in this uh, budget specifically. Uh, well, obviously one of the reasons is COVID and the impact that COVID had on businesses, um, and uh, the impact, of course, was that many businesses had to shut down or at least had to stop. Uh, businesses because obviously you know for example especially in the, in the tourism sector mm-hmm. um, in the the uh, you know the, the restaurants and uh, you know those kind of businesses um, they had to um, slow down and or that they had to close up or alternatively you know they had very reduced numbers of, in, in business and of course the flow-on effect of that is that jobs uh, in those sectors um, were you know people were either put off permanently or at least put off temporarily. Of course, the government came in with its uh, its job seeker and job keeper reforms, and uh, it appears that what happened with those is that most people will were able to um, be either kept in employment or at least be subsidised and then brought back on as COVID has um, you know decreased in the country. And so I think that for the government, that's a big success story mm-hmm. um, that, you know, despite what looked like could be an employment disaster, instead it has ended up that, you know, I think the government was arguing last night that the employment, the unemployment figures are looking even better than pre, pre the p- pandemic. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I think for the government, it's a very positive story. And they were trying, I think they're trying to sell that as, 
look at our management that we've done. These things like JobKeeper and JobSeeker have been, you know, big victories for for the coalition government. Um, and I think it also kind of justifies their spending as well. So they can say, well, we spent big and look at the, you know, what's happened. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it is a positive outlook. I mean, from a so from the COVID point of view, it's important, but it's also obviously from an individual's point of view really important that individuals at least haven't suffered too much financially yeah. because of COVID and because of the downturn in the economy. Um, and so, you know, that's another good news story that, that individuals can at least be very confident uh, about the about the future, about their future employment. No, that's good. A bit of a from the field there, but thanks. That's good. Yeah. I have another one that might be a bit from the field, but um, when we go into deficit, who are we in debt to? Oh, good question. Um, so, uh, well... The deficit is just whether the, the your expenditure side expenses exceed your income. Yeah. So you get a deficit. So um, really there's kind of three ways that a government can deal with that. Okay. Um, the first way is they can obviously cut their spending yeah. back to a point where they end back up either in balanced or mm-hmm. in surplus. Realistically, um, as I said before, it's been many, many years yeah. that that's actually happened. And there's not too many governments around the world, countries around the world, where that actually does happen. Yeah. So the second way they can deal with it is by borrowing. Yeah. And at least in Australia, the way that the government deals with it is issue what it calls government security. So, like, um, you may have heard of treasury bonds Mm -hmm. or treasury notes. So they're basically the government issues a note. Yep. And that note basically says. and generally, they're you know kind of big investors like companies and that that would buy these notes, yeah. And they give them they buy the note off the government, okay. And then the government then has to pay it back at some point together with interest. So they buy the money off the government. Uh, the other way, the government oh, the borrows government the money off, off the off a, off a company. Okay. Uh-huh. And so, uh, is it like an IOU? It's like an <laughs> IOU with interest. Um, it's just like if you went if if you. Mm had a shortfall in your budget, one yeah. way you could deal with it is by going to the bank yeah. and borrowing money. The government generally doesn't borrow from the banks. It generally um, has these notes and yeah. people buy them and the government gets money, but it has to repay it at some okay. point. And so the like companies earn money off that, which yes, would be an incentive for them to... Yeah. Yeah. And generally it's a very fairly low, it's a fairly low interest rate, mm-hmm. um, but it's, um, it's generally a very secure... Debt. Yep. So you know you, you basically can expect that the government will repay you yep. when it's when it's due. The third way the government can fund it is by printing money. Okay. So <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Obviously, you know if the government has to uh, pay for something, it can just print the money because yep. it does print money. But printing money has a lot of problems, and we yep. probably have to devote an entire show to it. I'm sure we um, could and, uh, <laughs> add that to but, a list of things. Why can't but, we just print money when we need money, you know? That'd yeah, nice. I want money. <laughs> well, you could, but I think it's called counterfeit or something like that. So, um, Devastating. But, uh, yeah, so the government could print money and, um, uh, yeah, there would be um, – some people suggest that's the way you deal with part of it, but, of yep. course, there are a lot of side effects of that. Yeah, okay. Um, so but in Australia, the government doesn't print money in that way anyway, mm-hmm. and it doesn't uh, – it generally just – you know, borrows through its uh, its government securities. Oh, interesting. So in the budget last night, uh, I wrote this down when I was I was watching it last night um, as a 
good little nerd that I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the treasurer, treasurer Josh Frydenberg, said that um, that government debt, according to the figures they released last, last night, was going to peak at $986 billion by June 2025. So that's almost a trillion dollars. Um, what happens if the government can't pay that, can't pay the debt and the interest that goes on that back to the people who borrowed it or they borrowed it from? In its extreme, the government could go into default. Um, oh, that doesn't and, sound good. But that is rarely ever happened with a country. It. it yeah. Um, I don't okay. know. I don't remember if you remember back in in uh, the you know the global financial crisis and mm-hmm. post that, countries like Greece got into big trouble, and you know there were concerns that eventually they were just never going to be able to pay their debt, and yeah. so um, they they went. Almost went into default, but it didn't quite go into default. Yeah. But um, generally, you know, our debt, overall debt has been increasing, mm-hmm. but our debt in Australia compared to many other countries of the world is quite small. Okay. I mean, generally they measure your debt uh, as a percent of the size of your economy or mm-hmm. they use gross domestic product or GDP, so the size of your economy. Our debt as a, compared to the size of our economy is quite small compared to um, many other countries in the mm-hmm. world, which means that... Uh, most uh, analysts would believe that Australia has the ability to pay off that debt over time. But one of the issues that was raised and was quite a common theme on some of the, the um, uh, TV shows last night or the, you know, the commentaries mm-hmm. was, you know, eventually someone has to pay this debt. And so yeah. are we just forcing this on on, on future generations? Um, and I think I did a quick calculation which said that in my mind, I think if I got the zeros right, mm-hmm. was that for each Australian person, we all have about thirty thousand dollars of debt. Oh, if you yeah. take that total yep. debt and um, uh, divide it mm-hmm. by uh, the number of people, you end up with about thirty thousand. My numbers might be incorrect, yeah. but um, it's a pretty significant amount. Okay. Uh, but uh, you know, the government believes that it can manage it, mm-hmm. uh, make the repayments pay the interest and that that won't uh, impact too much on the budget. But, of course, if it gets too large, mm-hmm. then the repayments and the interest become uh, a huge part of your spending of the budget. Okay. And therefore, you know, you've either, you know, well, I, I probably should have mentioned a fourth way that you can deal with that deficit is to actually raise taxes. Okay. Um, and so at some point, you know, you've got to deal with it. But I think the government believes it can manage that over time. So what would be the timeline for that? And what's the timeline for items in the budget, I suppose? Like are they usually over a government's term or over a year? Like is it just for the financial year or are they like we'll be spending $50 million but, you know, that's going to be over the next 50 years? That's a ripper of a question. That That is a good question because often governments, um, first of all, a lot of the numbers they quote are just mind-numbing. You okay. know, you, yep. when they say $17 billion, what does seventeen billion look yeah, like? Yeah, I have no um, idea what we, that means. You and know, so you know, that feels big, but is it? We ha- they're going to spend five hundred and fifty billion. Yeah, is that good or is that bad? Like yeah. most of us don't understand the concept of the numbers. Where I mean, seventeen billion is big, but is one billion still big? So some of these numbers are um, a bit confusing. But one of the things that uh, governments often do on budget night is make an announcement. So I think they. Once again, the aged care I think was like seventeen point seven billion, mm-hmm. but that was over several years. Okay, uh, and so you know you look and you go, wow, seventeen billion—that's great. Mm-hmm. But then you you know you read the fine print, which is actually this is actually over a few years, yeah. and 
depending on the timing of it. It's the same, you know, they announced again last night that the tax cuts, there's going to be tax cuts in 2024. Okay. Um, and so, again, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a good news story. Yeah. But in actual fact, when it actually comes in, is down the track. So yeah. each each item will, um, uh, will have different timelines. Often it's just over the coming year, but sometimes it's over three years, four years. Some of these infrastructure projects are very yeah. long. So, you know, they announced a series of infrastructure projects. They can take five or ten years. Yeah. Um, you know, they can be a long way out. Uh, and, of course, they've talked also about climate change, which yeah. is, you know, many years out, uh, yeah. some of the, the impacts of that. Yeah, very interesting. I remember, um, especially in New South Wales, when I was I was working um, – just after the change of government in 2011. And I, there was a lot made of the, the especially infrastructure projects that um, that governments in the past had announced and announced and announced. Um, and they'd put all these big, you know, $7 billion for this new train line or $10 billion to, uh, well, not probably not $10 billion to renovate a hospital. You know what I mean? Like in terms yeah. of these big investments. And they were even beyond that four-year period, which is, is that what they call the forward estimates, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four years, yeah. Yeah, and so um, and so they would announce these things, and announce things, and they would never build it. Yeah, you know, and that's and and it's, so it's interesting seeing you know, and that always that question, you know, when they announce, and I think this is something of what even what I've heard from some of the um, some of the press conferences from um, from Anthony Albanese and, and different people in the Labor Party, and even in different groups, um, they're saying, okay, well, this stuff's been announced, but will they build it? Will they do this? Will do that? And it's really interesting to see how that plays out, and and, and who guess who wins that argument over time. Yeah. yeah. And and again sometimes it's the fine print. It's like, you know, the federal government is putting up uh 10 million or whatever it is for the light rail in Canberra. Yeah. But it may be that the the local government has got to put up 20 million. Yeah, and exactly. so it's it's assuming that you know the other the other party the state or uh, territory mm-hmm. will put up their share. And so often the project goes nowhere because the other the other party says, "Well, no, we can't afford that or that's not our priority." Yeah. Um but of course it makes a good story. Uh, when it's announced. Yeah. That was a really interesting point that you made, Josh, about um, changeover of government. I suppose either of you could answer this one, but what obligations does a government have to, especially a new government, have to uphold previous budget policies? Like, do they have no obligation? Is that why we end up having big rushes before the end of a, um, before an election to, you know, put the shovels in the ground so that that way they kind of at least have to finish something? Or- um. Uh- <laughs> In terms of a lot of the changes, as I mentioned earlier, they're often in the law. Mm-hmm. Um, so once they've passed, then, you know, for example, a tax change, yep. then they have to go and change the law again. So okay. even if there's a change of government, yep. that that measure is is in the law. Now, they can come along later. Uh, you know, a good example is um, the Gillard government put in a carbon tax. Yes. Yep. And then the Abbott um the coalition during the election campaign said they were going to get rid of the carbon tax. When they uh, came in, um, they removed that mm-hmm. um, from the law. But until that point of time where it was moved from the law, the carbon tax continued to yeah. apply. Um, on the spending side, it's uh, it's a little bit more flexible because you know a lot of that money just goes to the department, and then they're given a you know there's a determine yeah. how that department is going to spend its money and there's allocations and so on but there is some flexibility in that where mm-hmm. a, you know um, a government a new government could say well you know we we don't want to proceed with that obviously with yeah. an infrastructure projects once the shovels are in the ground it, yeah. it's fairly hard to stop 
um, but uh, you know it might get delayed. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's some legal obligation and some kind of almost moral obligation. I exactly. To yeah. There's through. some. There is some flexibility. Yeah. But as Josh said, often these measures are over several years. Yeah. And um, because of that, you know, uh, you know, the, the tax cut is another good one it's due to come in 2024. The Labor government has kind of not quite committed to ha- that happening. Yeah. And so that's the kind of measure that was, you know, re-announced last night, but it may never happen yep. because oh, it may not pass the Senate, first of all, but then secondly, uh, if a, there was a change of government, yep. um, it might not proceed. Yeah. I don't have any more questions. I think Pete's answered most of them, all of them. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm finished. Great. Any last words, Pete? Anything... Uh, Things you wanted to say? No, no. The only thing I was going to say, which was which just led into that story I was yeah. telling about the uh, the lockup, was in the past because the lockup because of the lockup, mm-hmm. the whole budget process was very secret, and it yeah. still is very secret. But over the years, what's happened now is that a lot of the measures either get leaked or just announced prior to the budget. Oh, I so, was thinking that, so, like, you know, the headlines and stuff, like I get a lot of my news from Instagram, which is problematic in and of itself. But, you know, that's just how the millennial in me operates. Um, but there was always stuff being like, the budget's going to promise this, the budget's going to promise that. And I was like, I thought you weren't supposed to know until the first Tuesday of May. Second Tuesday? I don't know. Second Tuesday. Second Tuesday. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. And in the past, it was a very secretive process. <laughs> and I think there was a lot of anticipation on the budget night because no one really knew. There was a bit of speculation, Mm -hmm. but no one really knew what was there. And there was often – I think there was often kind of suggestions put out, for example, by the government. Yeah. Um, sometimes, of a, you know, for example, a tax increase, mm-hmm. and then it wouldn't happen, and people would go, "Wow, what a relief!" Yep. But of course, it was never going to happen anyway. But it yep. just, you know, it, it was playing the political game. Yeah. But nowadays, uh, and in more recent times, um, it's probably been over the last ten or twenty years, mm-hmm. more and more of the measures are coming out beforehand. So when the budget comes out on budget night, you almost know yep. everything and uh, every highlight. Is there so there might be a few smaller measures, um, but often there's no big ticket items because they've all either been yeah. leaked or just even officially announced mm-hmm. um, in the lead up to the budget. Part of that is is playing the the media cycle. So you know if you can get a, a new measure every day of the the two weeks yeah. leading up, you know you're capturing the news cycle, mm-hmm. and it also means that where you've got maybe ten measures on the one night, those ten measures might get some mention, but by making them headlines every day, you know, you're getting a lot more impact Mm -hmm. uh, on the nature of the, you know, on the announcement of those measures. Very true. Cool. We've covered a lot of ground. That's been, this is great. This is, uh, yeah, I mean, I've learned lots of bits and pieces and um, hopefully you guys who are listening have as well um, and you've enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure chatting with you, Pete, and thanks so much for coming in and for being our, our, inaugural special guest uh, and I think a special guest will find very hard to yes. uh, to top I think it's uh, always a joy <laughs> thank you and very privileged to be your uh, first guest thank you <laughs> thank you thanks so much for your time well I guess that's probably it for this week thanks so much um, we will keep you guys up to date with what's coming next and what's coming soon and make sure that um, if this was something that you really enjoyed, let us know if there's some improvements or thoughts or other questions and topics that you want us to cover, then stay engaged with us. Um, we 
really just want to be answering the questions that you guys are asking. So thanks for everything. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. We'll uh, see you next time.